Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Great pleasure and honour to welcome Pastor Teo Conda to the stage. Pastor Teo is all the way from Unlimited Life Church in Canberra. And no one is more excited to see Teo here this morning than me because I thought I was preaching this morning and I thought I had to work all day yesterday with jet lag. And when Bella read out the Instagram post to me in the car, I nearly cried. So Teo, thank you so much for being with us. We believe that you're going to sow great things all week to our community and there's going to be great fruit from it. Teo is a husband to a beautiful woman called Lucy who's the most gorgeous, gentle, humble woman you could ever meet and two boys who I don't remember their names but I'm sure Teo will tell us. Can we give him a huge welcome this morning? So good to be here. Northwest Church, how you going? Come on, you can do better than that. How are you going this morning? You excited to be here? What's the temperature? Is it 40 degrees? Is it 33 degrees? What is it? Oh, you're all saying, you're saying different things at the same time. I can't understand. Sorry, mate. Um, 35 degrees. There we go. It's great. It's good to be in the house of God. It's good to be here. God's presence. Anything is possible when we gather together like this. In God's presence, anything is possible. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, anything is possible. So good, so good. Why don't you take a seat, take a seat. It is fantastic to be here. It's such an honor and a privilege to be speaking here, to be in Tamworth. A lot of people were saying, Pastor Teo, is it hard being from Canberra and coming to Tamworth? It's like 43, de- three, 43 degrees today. And I said, no, because it's 45 degrees today in Canberra. So the temperatures dropped a little bit. <laughs> How crazy is that? And we're going to continue to pray for the bushfires that are devastating a lot of our cities and a lot of our uh, friends uh, down the south coast of New South Wales are being impacted. And so we are online with them currently, um, praying, fasting, um, raising funds, raising finances. And so let's continue to pray for our family and friends uh, right across New South Wales, right across Australia, and just believe that God is going to send rain and God is going to send encouragement and comfort for everybody who's been affected by the fires. And I just want to say thank you to Pastor Daz and Pastor Bron for having me here. Thank you guys so much. You guys are so warm, so encouraging, so uplifting. I can't be in the same room as you without feeling like a, I, you know, without feeling like I can't take on the world. I feel like I can do anything. I feel like I can achieve anything when I'm around you, and that's just the spirit that you carry. And no matter what you go through, no matter what you know trials you go through, you always remain uh, centered in Christ with a sweet spirit. And I love that about you, Pastor Bron. Why don't we give your senior pastors a hand? Great people. You guys are so blessed having your senior pastors in their role. And uh, my name is Teo, as you heard, and I'm from Life Unlimited Church in Canberra. Turn to the person next to you and say, Canberra. Canberra. It is such uh, a great church, Life Unlimited Church. We, uh, Lucy and I have the great honor and privilege of serving alongside our senior pastors, Sean and Linda Stanton. 
They are good friends of ours. They are uh, people who are in the nation really impacting uh, this country uh, through the local churches and Pastor Sean's role on the national executive, his uh, national secretary. And so he helps a lot with uh, providing encouragement and, and help making sure that people feel like they can do what they're called to do, uh, you know, within the 3,000 churches that call themselves ACC churches across Australia. So it's a privilege to be able to serve with them and to be able to release them, but they also um, release myself to be able to travel and to be able to preach all across the country. So just a massive shout out to my senior pastors back at home. Love them so much. And um, hey, before we get into the word, let's pray. Let's just believe that we haven't come together for an ordinary Sunday, but we've come to be transformed by the Holy Spirit and by His Word, and that as we sit in His presence and as we lean into what He's saying, that God is going to speak to each and every one of us. Let's pray. Father, we so thank You for this morning. We thank You for the opportunity, Lord God, to lean into You and to hear what your Holy Spirit is saying. We thank you that this is an opportunity, that these are moments that we are creating that literally transform and change our lives. They catapult us to a new direction, to your direction. These are moments that give us vision, that speak prophetically to us in our new season, Lord God. These are moments that you create, Lord God, where where blind eyes can be opened, Lord, where deaf ears can hear, Lord God, where we can hear what your Spirit is saying, Lord God. Let us not take these moments lightly. Let us lean in, be hungry, and draw from everything that you've got for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. amen. My wife is uh, Lucy, as Pastor Bron mentioned, and uh, just hanging around some of her family members, hanging around some of her cousins, I quickly realized that Lucy was an Aboriginal girl, an Indigenous warrior, and just so love the culture, so love how they accepted me, her whole family accepted me straight away. They were like, you're one of the family, cuz. You're our brother. And I'm like, awesome, I love that. And so my heritage for my parents is Japanese. So I'm Japanese, Lucy's Aboriginal. So our two boys, Sammy, Samuel and Isaac, they're now Japoriginals. <laughs> no joke, this is a true story. I shared this story a few times around, but it is a true story. I caught my seven-year-old son, Samuel, at the backyard in his underwear. They're all brown. And he was bending over like this with a chopstick in his hand, hunting for kangaroo in the backyard. (laughs) Talk about an identity crisis right there. The crazy Japoriginal kids looking for some kangaroo sushi out in the back. What are you doing, mate? What are you doing? I love it. I love it so much. And I really uh, honor and respect, and I am a massive advocate for our First Nation people. And uh, why don't we give it up for, for our First Nation people who are really leading the way. A powerhouse for the kingdom of God. Great people. And I believe that we will see revival in our, in our nation as our First Nation people will continue to be empowered by everybody else, that, uh, that we together will see God move in a significant way in our nation. So the title of this message this morning is 2020 Vision. Turn to the person next to you and say, 2020 Vision. 2020 Vision. I don't know how you feel about going into the 
this new decade. I don't know how your 2019 has gone for you. Maybe you have some questions going into the new year. Maybe you may, may be thinking, have I accomplished enough in 2019? This is a big one. Am I really, am I really where I'm supposed to be? That's a big one. Have I done enough for God? I mean, most of us walk around um, in shame because we feel like we haven't done enough for God. Or, or have I done too many wrong things? So we've got all these questions when we go into a new year, but a lot of these questions are answered with responses that are only really opinions. And so we have an opinion based on the question, but not all of our opinions are from God. Because opinions are just things that we've thought up of to respond to the questions that are circulating our life. And so your opinion about 2020, especially your negative opinions, may not be realistic and may not be the way God perceives your life to be. And they're just an opinion. George W. Bush even said this. He says, I've got opinions. I've got many opinions, but I don't necessarily agree with all of them. So we've got all these opinions, but we don't necessarily agree with all of our opinions. I mean, if you don't feel like we live in a, an opinionated society or an opinionated generation, have a look at some of the comments about Scott Morrison during the bushfires. I got to be with him not long ago, and I know how hard he's been working for the bush, bushfires. I'm not trying to put out a disclaimer and a shout out to Scott Morrison. I'm just saying that a lot of the media is based around negativity when it comes to our leaders in, in politics. I live in Canberra. It's, you know, there's politicians everywhere. We have politicians visit our church. I go to the Parliament House every month and I visit politicians. And seriously, some of them are good people. <laughs> but you never hear good things about them. And so we need to pray for our government. We, we need to have godly perspective and not just fleshly opinions about life. And so the opinions that we have aren't always the perspective that God has of our lives and about society. And I don't know the questions that you have about your 2020. You may have had a bad year, 2019. And so you, what you're doing is allowing your past to dictate your future. But what you should be doing is allowing God's grace to determine your destiny. You should be saying, God, I know based on who you are, based on your character, based on your nature, that you've got good, good things for me because you're a good, good father. Let's give God some praise. Somebody in the house, if you believe in that, he's good. See, the definition of opinion by the prophet Google is a view or judgment formed about something not necessarily based on facts. Not necessarily based on on facts, but it's a view or judgment. So that's a strong view. It's almost a conviction behind that. This is my opinion. This is the truth. This is the truth to me. This is the truth, not, necess not necessarily based on facts. See, what I find about opinions, often at times our opinions, is that they distort our perspective and they blur our vision. I mean, have you ever seen a Domino's ad? And they go $4.95 for the value pizza, and it looks so good, and they 
they peel off a slice of pizza from the, from the rest of the crew. And oh my goodness, there's mozzarella cheese. It's thick, it's stretchy, it's unbelievable. And then you buy a large Domino's pizza. It's a value pizza. And all of a sudden, it's like the size of a Domino. <laughs> and there's no stretch to the cheese. You promised. You promised my perspective, my view, my judgment of the Domino's pizza was that it was going to be great. That's why they've got those big, extra big Big Macs now, because they're exactly the same size as they were 10 years ago. Now we call it a El Grando or whatever. It's not. It's just a Big Mac 10 years ago. Get with the times, people. <laughs> You're getting ripped off. <laughs> Sorry if you manage a McDonald's or a Domino's. <laughs> I love you. I ate McDonald's the other day, so I don't hate them. I don't know about your opinions, and I don't know about your perspectives of the new year, but I was actually thinking and mulling over these questions myself, like, have I done enough for 2019? Am I really supposed to, you know, be doing these things? Have I accomplished enough? God, have I done enough for you? And I personally have very high expectations of myself. I don't know about you, but I'm just like, if I haven't changed the world, then you're not good enough, Taylor. You are not enough, mate. You are not doing enough. You are not, you know, you don't have as much value attached to your life because you haven't changed the world. You need to do more. You need to, and so I have these expectations that I put upon myself and uh, Christmas, you know, you're excited, you're, you're up at 6 a.m. in the morning, I wasn't, I was having a few late nights, I was working, I was preparing 11 messages and I stayed up quite late because my mind can function better at night time, so at 10 p.m. my mind switches on for some weird reason and I'm coming up with all these amazing thoughts at 10 p.m. so I'm going to sleep late and the next day just happens to be Christmas and I'm lying in bed at like 6.30 in the morning, which is way too early. If you look at the time I slept, and I'm feeling grumpy, and I start to ask myself these questions, what is your 2020 going to look like? And I'm already in a bad mood. I'm already tired. I'm fatigued. I've got no energy, and I'm grumpy, and I cannot believe it. And my son Samuel goes, Dad, Dad, come on, man, don't be grumpy, get up. We're going to open up the presents, it's such a good day. I'm like, get out of this room. Seriously, what do you want from my life? I know it's Christmas Day, but I'm not feeling excited now. And I didn't say that, but I felt that. And I stumble outside of the room uh, about half an hour later, and everyone's waiting for me to open up presents, and Lucy's like, Honey, don't ruin this for the kids. Come on. Make it exciting. Smile. Pretend that you're happy. Seriously, seriously, Asian boy, make it exciting for people. I'm like, all right, I'll try my best. Lucy's quite racist at the best of times. <coughs> Seriously, we've got racist jokes going back and forth. It's loving. <laughs> She's great. And so I'm outside. We're, you know... We're at the living room, the Christmas tree's there, and Samuel, who says that I should have a better attitude, that I should be more grateful, that today's the best day in the world, he starts to open up the first present. And I notice that he opens up a present, and the more he starts to open up this present, is the more I realize that it's a present that he already has, it's a, it's a toy that he already has in his room, in the, right next door. And so he's unwrapping this present, 
and it's a pack of Pokemon cards. And he's, <clears throat> sorry, I've got a frog in my throat. He's already got Pokemon cards. He already received Pokemon cards for Christmas, and he's like, oh, Dad, I've got exactly the same thing. And then he looks at me and he goes, that's all right, Dad. I'm going to be grateful. <laughs> and then he said, and then he said, catch this. And then he goes, because if you're grateful for something, it will no longer be the same thing. Wow. I said, be quiet. You're only seven. <laughs> Shouldn't be saying those things. It's inappropriate. <clears throat> inappropriate moment, find the right moment to say that to him. And it just struck me. If you're grateful for something, it will no longer be the same thing. I wonder what our attitude is like approaching the new year. It's not determined on our situation. It's not determined on our happenings. Happiness is different to joy because happenings is Happenings are based on what is happening. Happiness is based on what is happening, where joy is determined on, in your relationship with God and trusting in Him and knowing that He's got great things for us. So we're not happy as such, but we are joyful. Joyful is something consistent. No matter what your situation is saying or your circumstance is screaming at you, I am joyful because I've got Christ in my life and I trust Him no matter what. It's important for us to get God's opinion and and start 2020 with God's perspective so we can have His vision as we have His perspective. We need more Jesus' opinion, less of our opinion. Jesus' opinion, J-O, Joe. We need more Joe. We need mojo. Turn to the per person next to you and say, get some more mojo. Get some more Jesus' opinion. Get some more mojo about you, man. Walking around the main street of Tamworth, oh, my life sucks. No, it's 2020. God's got greater things. God's word says he's going to take you from strength to strength and from glory to glory. He's got better things in the future than what you've seen in the past. Much better things. And as we hold on to his word and we trust in who he is, he will reveal to us how awesome he is and how great the plans that he has for us are. You are doing better than you think you are. You're more further along than you think you are. And God loves you more than you think he does. He's got so much for you. So much to be grateful for in our life. I believe that we need to stop stating facts and start speaking faith. Stop stating facts and start speaking faith. I remember when, when God instructed Moses to behold the promise, to take hold of the promised land. And they sent out some spies, they sent out some people to report on the promised land. And what we're going to do is we're going to go to Numbers chapter 13, 28 to 30, and have a look at the, in the NIV version of these people and their report about where they were going. They're all excited. It's a new season. God promises something new. It's a 2020 moment. It's a moment where you get vision from God. And then you look at the reality of your life and the reality of your situation and you compare it to what God says and what God says. It doesn't seem like your life looks anything like what He says. And you get disheartened, we get discouraged because we don't see God's Word in action in our own lives. And we ask ourselves the question, is He actually going to come through for me? Numbers chapter 13, verse 28 to 30, it says this. 
And it talks about the report of the Israelites about the land they're going to. It says, but the people who live there are powerful. Somebody say powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Turn to the person next to you and say, We're going to do it. We're going to do it. I don't know whether your marriage, whether it's suffering right now. I don't know whether you've been through a marriage and been through a divorce and you're still suffering right now. I'm telling you, have faith on your lips. Say, we're going to do it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to continue to move forward because God has promises for me. And I'm going to choose to have a different perspective of my life and choose to believe that what he's got for me, he's got goodness and mercy that will follow me all the days of my life. I believe that he's got good for me. And that whatever the enemy intended for harm, God meant it for good in my life. And that God will turn everything bad around for my benefit for 2020. Start to believe it and say, I will do it. Just like Caleb said in an impossible situation. I'm not going to base my future on my situation right now and what it looks like. I'm going to believe in God and have faith for 2020. We are going to do it. Verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those, those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the, come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. There are three things we do. There are three things we do when we don't have God's opinion, when we don't have God's perspective in our life. One, we live with a defeated spirit. I can't do this. I am not able to overcome this. When the gospel message is actually the opposite of a defeated spirit, at the end, I don't know if you know, but Jesus actually wins. We actually win. We actually have the victory. Not then, not in the future, not just when we die and we, we are ascended into heaven and we get to be in God's presence forever. We actually have victory now on earth. Jesus didn't just die for our sins. He also died for our sicknesses. He died for our current situation. The, the, the salvation message isn't just for eternity, it's actually for now. It's supposed to change us now. We live with the defeated spirit. Number two, we compare ourselves with others. Oh, they seem so large. Compared to them, we are like grasshoppers. But notice what they said in our own eyes. Our own perspective can cripple our understanding of God's perspective. It can distort the truth of the word. Our opinion can distort and dilute the Word of God in our life. And so it's so important, instead of having our opinion, having God's opinion and God's perspective, we compare ourselves with others. And number three, we become a conduit of bad news. Notice how they spread a bad report amongst all the people in Israel. Who knows that Jesus Christ didn't just die, was buried for three days, rose again, ascended on the right-hand side of the Father, is seated in all majesty, authority, glory, and honor, and power. 
just to let us know that we're going to go and spread the bad news, that we is set us free, and that no, no longer do we receive a consequence of punishment for our sins, but He died for our sins, that He set us free from our sin, that He set us free from sickness, that He's got hope and liberty, that even when you die, even when you die, you get to be raised up in glory, and He gives you a new body after the Christmas pudding. I'm thinking, give me a new body. Praise the Lord. Do you know that he's got great things and it's a message of good news? If you're a person that talks about bad news, that you're a conjurer of bad news, do you really have a revelation of the gospel? Do you have an understanding of the context of salvation if you're spreading bad news, but really the message and the word of God is all about good news? Jesus wins at the end. We are victorious in our life. We reign. We reign now. I love it. I was having one of those really bad days, you know, just stating the facts and complaining about my situation and looking at my past and, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and, and really reflecting on how bad my life actually is or how bad my life actually was. And so I'm at the backyard of my house. I'm stating all the facts. God You've allowed this to happen. God, you've allowed that to happen. I'm just so annoyed. God, you've allowed this to happen to my life. Why did you allow this to happen to my life? And, and I had a water gun in my hand, and I started pumping the water gun. I had every intention of shooting my son Samuel in the face with the water gun as I'm thinking about how much my life sucks. Bad dad, right? And then I started saying things like this. Father, you let me grow up around drugs. You let me grow up in a place where I felt neglected my whole life, where my father was an alcoholic, where I never even knew my father growing up, where my mother was so under the pump, so stressed that she couldn't manage her home with four boys, where the oldest boy became a drug dealer. He got involved in criminal circles and he lived in King's Cross and that's where we grew up in Sydney the highest crime rate, the highest drug rate, the, and some people say the highest crazy rate. You allowed me to go through that trauma and then my other brother was a fugitive running away from the police where I haven't seen him for like eight years. Or where, where is he? He's, running, he's committed a crime and now he's running away and my life is broken. God and my other brother, that's just a bit older than me, suffered from incredible drug addiction, was kicked out of home as an early teen, and we've all been involved with drugs. We've all been involved with crime. And we've all been involved with gangs. Why didn't you let me hear the gospel when I was young? Why didn't you let me go to church? Why has my life sucked so much? And then I reminded God of a story. Do you remember that time when my brother gave me a call? He gave me a call and he said, Teo, and I was only young then. He said, Teo, you need to go to the hospital really quickly. Because your dad is there, the father that you barely even know. He's there. He's taking too many substances. His body is just, is being killed with all the substance abuse. He, you know how he's been an alcoholic, a severe alcoholic for many years. It's just gotten too much. He's taking too many substances and he's right there and the, they're trying to resuscitate him in the hospital. You need to go. So as a young man, I head to the hospital don't even know my father, don't even know anything about him. So I go there to see how he's going. And I get to the hospital and I stare at the other side of the room and I see a man there 
all wired up on life support. They're trying to resuscitate his body. And I see a man there that I barely even know. I mean, he was supposed to be my father, but I didn't even know him as a child. He was supposed to be at my assembly, but he didn't go. He was supposed to be encouraging me and championing me, but he never encouraged me, never said he loved me. And so I'm there and I'm holding him in my arms. And I've got all this brokenness in my life as a young man. I've been through all this trauma. And as a result, I had court case after court case. Uh, the, the police and the, and the judge were looking at sentencing me for eight years as a young man for the things that I'd done. Everything had been accumulating over the years. I was so messed up, so broken, so godless, so ruthless, so, so empty, so broken, so desperate. And I find myself as a young man holding my father in my own arms. And then as I look into his eyes, I tell him that I love him for the first time. And he finds it really hard to say it back to me. But then he looks into my eyes and then he asks for my forgiveness. He says, Tao, I'm so sorry for the things that I've done. I'm so sorry that I was never there. I'm so sorry for the things that I said to you, for never loving you, for never caring for you, for never being there for you. I'm so sorry that I wasted my life and now I'm dying as a young man and I'm leaving you right now and you're so young. You can't even support yourself, but I'm going now because I'm dying. I'm so sorry. I said, Dad, I forgive you and I love you. It's the first time we ever said it to each other. And then I held him there in my arms and he died from an overdose as I was a teenager. My own father, and I'm telling God, why did you allow my life to be like that? Like, why did you allow me? The psychologist told me that 99% of people that she's met would never make it through life going through what you've gone through, Tao. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know where you're going to go. And I don't know how you're going to get over this. And I honestly think that you might end your life. I'm worried about you, Tao. I'm worried that you need some help, Tao. And isn't it funny in life where we just see the end of the tunnel, where we just see that all hope is gone, that we look at 2019 and we base our 2020 on our past and we allow the past to dictate our future. But God says, Tao, There is hope. There is a future. And there is life. And then I started going to a church. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I was swearing the first few Sundays, but they kind of put up with me. This guy is wild. From a gang past, I knew how to drug deal. I knew how to make money illicitly. I knew knew every drug. I had almost taken every single drug in that high school pamphlet that was a warning signal to high school students I'd almost taken every drug on that pamphlet I was messed up and broken and I found myself stumbling into a church building uh, for the first time as a young man and the preacher spoke a message and it spoke right to my heart and I responded to that message and Jesus Christ showed me a picture he said that whatever the enemy meant for harm I intended it for good in your life. No matter what the enemy did to try and stop you, I'm going to turn it around and speak faith and speak hope over your future. I've got great things for you, Teo. Hold on, hold on and be strong. Be strong. Don't be discouraged. But everything that's happened in your life for bad, turn it around and bring hope to people. There's so many broken people in this world. And there's so many people that need Jesus in this world. And there's so many people that need hope in this world. How can I spend the rest of my future 
licking my own wounds, feeling sorry for myself when there's a person sitting next to me that needs Jesus. And I just had such an overwhelming burden for the lost, for, for salvation, for people to know the love of God because it's the love of God that changed me. It's the love of God that healed me. He took away all the unforgiveness. He took all the way depression, all, all the anxiety away. Let's give it up for God because He heals us and sets us free. And since giving my life to the Lord, I led my brother to the Lord, my other brother and my other brother. And I've got one brother that's completing a doctorate in theology and another brother that's looking after a church, one, a big church. And all my brothers are serving in high capacity levels in the local church. My mum oversees volunteers. Give God a hand for that because that's salvation in the family. If God can do it for me, God can do it for you. If God can do this for me, He can do this for you. Come on, let's close our eyes in this place. Father, we just thank You. We thank You for Your power in this building, Lord God. We thank You for the hope that You instill in our hearts, Lord God, as a result of the gospel message that impacts our lives, Father. Thank You that even when we look at a dead situation, even when we go to a dead-end road, Father God, it is still open. There's still opportunity, Lord God. That as we are grateful, Father God, something no longer is the same thing because we have You in our lives, Father God. Thank You that it's our attitude that determines our altitude, Lord God, that it is You, Lord God, that determines our future. And You have smeared hope all over our future. I just pray for every single person I pray that you'd give him a vision for 2020. I pray that you give him a heart of gratefulness, Lord God. That as they are grateful, Lord God, that they start to see your vision and start to see with your perspective, Father. But I pray for those who do not know Jesus in this building here this morning. For those, Father God, that haven't experienced the love of God that has literally set me free, God. That literally turned a broken young boy around, Lord God to be someone who is so desperately passionate, passionate to see people saved, so filled with love, Lord God, so in awe of you and, and your love for me, God. I'm so grateful and set free, God. I just pray for every single person that hasn't experienced your love and hasn't experienced your freedom, God, right now. If you're here this morning and if you've never said yes to Jesus or if you're here and you have said yes to Jesus, but you want to make a recommitment and say yes to Him and say, God, I renew my commitment to You and I want to come back to the Father. Tomorrow, we sometimes think that tomorrow is promised to us. The Bible says that tomorrow isn't promised to us. I thought that tomorrow was promised to my Father. Tomorrow was not promised to my Father. The Bible says tomorrow is not promised to us. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the time to make a decision and come back to the love of the Father. I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, if you want to say yes to Jesus, be it for the first time or make a recommitment this morning, I'm going to ask you as I count to three to slip up your hand so I can pray with you. One, God loves you. Two, He's got a purpose and a plan over your life. Three, if that's you, why don't you slip up your hand so I can pray for you. Awesome. Fantastic. So good. Fantastic. Awesome. Anybody else in here want to say, yes, I make a decision to follow you. So good. Hands going up. You want to say, God, I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back to your love. I'm saying yes to Jesus. Yes, another hand, another hand. So good. The Holy Spirit is moving. Yes, yes, awesome. So good. Fantastic. 
what we're going to do is we're going to say a prayer. And as we, I say a prayer, I want you to repeat loudly and clearly after me. Dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for freedom. And thank you for love. I choose to follow you, Lord, and have your perspective. I choose to be grateful about my 2020. And I'll serve and follow your plan over my life. Thank you for today and for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.